Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey, thanks for coming back, or if it's your first time, welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Van Leeuwen, and I'm not going to waste any time getting my co-host involved in things today. You'll know him from his ruthless news hounding days with the likes of Speak Cafe and Supercars.com. Uh, he's now in charge of all those pretty V8 sleuth books that I'm sure are sitting on your coffee table right now. His name is Stefan Bartholomeus, and um, I'm excited to have him here. And I'm excited because um, he's a very good mate of mine and we've always wanted, well, I've always wanted to work with him on something and we've kind of finally got that chance. Stefan, is uh, is my excitement reciprocated or is this a, a case of unrequited excitement? Well, it's certainly reciprocated, but time will tell whether it's a major disappointment. That's, well, you know, I'm sure we'll have a good time. Whether the people listening agree, it's, uh, whether it's exciting or disappointing, we'll, um, we'll leave it up to the people. But uh I reckon we're going to have plenty to talk about. There's a little bit going on uh, going on in the world. It's been a crazy few days. Uh, in case you've been living under a rock, there's been a bit of a vaccination saga playing out at, in Sydney. Um, David Reynolds will miss the next few rounds because he doesn't have sufficient coverage uh, and an exemption he had appears to have not held a whole heap of water. Um, tricky situation, big story, but like, this is – I'm not just saying this because I broke the story, but like this is a massive scandal, right, Stefan? This is this is huge. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's been a wild few days, and um, you know we've had plenty of big stories in the past, but this one's been a real example where the challenge in the news game has been to pick the uh, the fact from the fiction, because there's been so many people, everyone in the sports talking about it, but not a lot of people have the actual hard facts of what's going on and. And finally, today we've seen a little bit of the of, of it come out with with a statement. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely you're right. It's been hard to pick the fact from the fiction because there's been every rumor from that he was getting tackled to the ground by you know the SWAT team and dragged off to to being locked up forever to uh, back to you know it, it being a small paperwork uh, mishap. We know it's obviously more than that now, given the fact that that he is actually being sidelined. But look, we'll run through what we know because again, there's a lot of things that we we don't know at this point. It, it appears that you know he he uh, hasn't or he isn't fully vaccinated at the moment. Um, that's a requirement to get into New South Wales and Victoria. It's a requirement for uh, venues like Sydney Motorsport Park. Um, he had an exemption. That's how he was able to get into the state and how he was able to get into the venue for last weekend. Uh, it appears, and this is where things start to get a little murky about uh, exactly what has happened from there, but it appears that New South Wales Health haven't been completely satisfied 
with the exemption, if you look at the list of exemption rules, it is pretty tight. So um, I guess uh, that is something that they are going to look at if exemptions are being handed out, uh, ensuring that they are the real deal and that the, that the the person does meet uh, what is required for an exemption, uh, uh, an investigation from New South Wales Health. They, this all started late last week. Um, they started going through... I first heard about it on on Friday that there was something strange going on at the track. I think for people at the track, it was fairly obvious that there was a bit of activity around the Kelly Grove Racing Garage. Um, he was allowed to race over the weekend following certain protocols uh, so that a proper investigation could begin. That started this week, um, yesterday afternoon. So Wednesday afternoon, we finally uh, got news that, you know, he um, – well, oh, sorry, we finally got news that, that the investigation was probably nearing – its end. Um, we had confirmation from the team that something was going on, even though it had already been reported on. And then today, uh, this morning, Thursday, we find out that he will be sidelined for the next three rounds. So he did get va- his first dose of the vaccine early in the week. Uh, it's now a case of waiting for the second dose of the vaccine. So the release says he could be back for Bathurst. You would think, looking at the way things have gone in terms of um, who they're putting in the car this weekend, Luke Gilden, uh, that he will be back for Bathurst. That seems like they're not trying to get someone else in that can do the job at the Bathurst 1000. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a scandal for the sport. It's been a big test for the sport because every sporting code is going to face this. Every sport – there's not going to be a sporting code out there that, that that is going to not have people that aren't necessarily overly willing to get the vaccine. Um, and I think this was a big test for supercars. It was a big test – for Australian sport to see how it's going to be handled. Is it a test that got passed, do you think, Stefan? I don't know. As you say, there's still a bit more to more to come from it. I find it extraordinary that this, you know, we've known for two months that you had to be vaccinated to go to that race meeting. And seemingly they're talking about there were temporary the protocols in place that we saw at SMP for Dave, but this wasn't sorted before then. They knew this, this was a problem and it's played out this way. Supercars have worked so hard and have been able to duck and dive around all the COVID issues over the last 18 months, but they have had this one hit them right in the face. And we've got to be careful because we don't know all the facts, but the optics on it certainly aren't good, are they? At best, it's embarrassing for supercars, for the team and their partners, and unfortunately for David Reynolds. Yeah, look, it is, but I think – like I say, I think all sports are going to uh, are going to face this. It's the way the timings worked out. We're sort of heading into the into the mandatory vaccine territory now. The footy seasons have wound up. It wasn't really a huge issue for that. I think, generally speaking, Supercars has done a great job of navigating the pandemic. You know, like obviously there's been some big challenges this year, bigger challenges this year than last year. Funnily enough, but they've kind of got there, and they're going to get their rounds away, uh, and they're going to satisfy the broadcast requirement and get another season finish but yeah I just think there would have been a lot of eyes from other sports who are gonna we're gonna have issues with this and we're gonna see you know probably the A-League is the next one to deal with it they're gonna start up soon and I I think there's some mandatory vaccination requirements um you know with them as well so it, it was a it was a big test and it's it's certainly been a um it's certainly thrust supercars into the into the mainstream spotlight um so I think there'll be you know if nothing else it might create a bit of interest heading into the second of for Sydney Motorsport Park um, rounds. What is remarkable is Luke Yulden is about to drive a supercar all on his own, doesn't have to share the car with anyone else. He's been doing this for over two decades. How many round starts has he made, Stefan? 
Yeah, he's done 48. And considering he missed out on even a co-drive last year, it looked like he wasn't going to get to his 50. And uh, not only is he going to get there, but he's going to have done a solo round. Um, he's been through so many teams over the years, obviously won Bathurst with Dave in, in 2017. But uh, I think this uh, this weekend, he's going to learn what a green tyre feels like. He, uh, he'll be doing well um, to, to feel that and and not sprayed off, to be quite frank. It's very difficult to come in, obviously, especially second week when everyone else has done done a round at the track. But um, for him to get extra miles ahead of Bathurst is probably the only positive that that team can take out of it right now. Um, there's talk of a bit of rain around on the weekend. Maybe he'd like that. He wouldn't have to worry about green tyres too much if he's just bolting wets on. Oh, I don't know. You should ask him if a wet night race is really what he's got in mind. <laughs> that's, that's a way to make your solo debut but it is remarkable 21 years after his uh after his um debut in supercars you know like heading towards 50 starts and he's never done one all on his own so um it looks like luke for this weekend i wouldn't be surprised if it's luke again for the for the third weekend it's a bit confusing because we've had one and we're talking about first and second and third and whatever but i think for the Third Sydney weekend, we could see Luke back in the car. But I tell you what, I'd reckon Matt Campbell is probably a decent shout at jumping in that 26 for at least the fourth one. He was He's racing in Bahrain in, uh, at the WEC round in Bahrain this weekend, but he was going to be back in Oz anyway um, to do the co-driver session or the additional driver session at, at SMP4, and it looks like he might actually get to race that car. So, I mean, yeah, silver lining, fantastic opportunity for those blokes to get some laps at a time where guys aren't getting a lot of laps heading into the Bathurst 1000, uh, particularly for Matt, you know, doing a lot of racing, but supercars, as we know, are a pretty unique beast. Um a uh, yeah, a, a good opportunity um, for that. So I guess that's a little silver lining. Um, yeah, that's it feels hard to talk about anything else apart from that news. But we'll uh, we'll endeavour to uh, to move on. So um, calendar next year uh, looks like we might be heading for a mini expansion, not a huge expansion, but probably stepping up from the twelve to maybe thirteen or fourteen rounds based on what the sort of talk is uh, at the moment. Um, no great surprises circuits wise. I think we could see a QR or a PI sneak back onto the um, onto the schedule. Looks like it's going to be mostly sort of two week gaps. Could be a fairly large winter break. That's kind of the talk. Maybe even sort of a ten week after ten week uh, winter break. What do you think, Stefan? What's the right rhythm of racing? It's always a tough one. Footy, you know, your footy coaches just play week in, week out. You know when footy is on. Racing's always had this kind of struggle to find the right rhythm. Where do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's going to go back to what they were aiming for and talking about and doing before um, COVID. I mean, terms of that sort of 13 14 events and there was the plan to have a significant mid-season break in 2020 when the olympics was going to be on there was even talk about sort of compulsory shutdown at least of the supercars officers if not the teams so it'll be interesting to see if they do that again whether that's viable when gen 3 is on the bubble as well by by midway through next year not sure you would think with queensland raceway being bought by tony quinn it's a matter of time before that comes back onto the calendar and of course most of us would love to see Philip Island it's a shame that uh, we haven't gone there what about Sandown there's sort of whispers that that could slot back into that pre sort of Bathurst spot perhaps not an enduro what do you think about the enduro thing are we ever going to see more than one enduro I kind of feel like it, it doesn't feel like it at the moment yeah the unfortunate thing is that anything that adds cost normally doesn't get voted for the turkeys don't normally vote for Christmas, but uh, there's obviously some changes into how how decisions get made as well, which um, 
you probably want to talk about next. Yeah, absolutely. We will get to that. Look, given the fact we are going to see this kind of, um, you know, we're going to see supercars and, and Australian Racing Group basically under the same umbrella as part of this race ownership structure, however that structure is, is sort of pieced up, and we'll, we'll get onto that um, in a minute. But it doesn't seem that there's a lot of talk about a heap of category crossover between sort of supercars and what we see is the traditional supports um, for those guys uh, and the ARG categories, TCR Australia, S5000, those being the headlines, and then obviously, you know, GT sort of fits somewhere in between. Um, I have heard maybe TCR in Newcastle for the opener, um, maybe S5000 at some of the uh, bigger events at the back end of the season, your Bathurst 1000 and your Gold Coast. Are you surprised that we might not see, you know, TCR suddenly become a regular support category or S5000 suddenly become a regular support category for supercars given the fact there's going to be that tie-up, Stefan? Is that something you thought might have happened? Not really. I think um, while there, there might be some appetite to have TCR and the like at the really big events, uh, those street races with the, with the big crowds and all the attention, keeping them separate is probably a fairly smart play. I don't know whether it does much to stick TCR on the support bill of supercars at a regular event where they're really going to be overshadowed in all senses, not just attention, but in terms of the spectacle and all of that, I don't think it does much to promote TCR to stick them on the undercard of supercars too often. So the, the overall goal of having, say, 20 weekends of, of good motor racing uh, for Channel 7 split between 14 supercars, six other or seven, 13 or however they want to do it, I think, um, yeah, it's probably going to be good for TCR in particular to be a bit separate. S5000 is a little bit different because it is it is going to be a support category pretty much either way. And I'm sure governments like the Queensland government, it's been talked about a lot with the uh, Gold Coast race, would love to have that category there to add to the show. But um, like you say, I think a couple, couple on and a couple separate is probably the way it's going to go. You, you actually just touched on it there. Like uh, these race blokes are going to be pretty busy next year. 20-odd race meetings by the time you go through the Tier 1, which is kind of the supercars, and the Tier 2, which will be, you know, what is currently sort of your Shannon's Nationals ARG sort of um, events. They'll have four, four of the five Bathurst events as well with the, by the time you chuck the Bathurst 6-hour in there and uh, the Bathurst International, however that kind of plays out uh, in the future. You've um, you you've spent some time working, you know, in-house at a category. Would you be excited about doing 20 weekends or maybe more in a year? Well, it's not so bad for us because uh, we're not having to actually put the events together or, or run the cars or any of that stuff. So, yeah, how they sort of integrate the the events teams and the television from, from one to the other, you would hope that they're not just going to load up all this extra work on the current supercars uh, event and technical stuff and, and all of that sort of thing. But there's, uh, yeah, obviously some good strengths in, in both both bodies that they need to uh, to make the most of and bring together. Every lap in under a minute. Every move made to matter. Every decision impacting the outcome of the race. Supercars in Perth. Every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint. May 17 to 19. Book now at Ticketek. Supercars, unforgettable. 
We kind of still don't really know exactly how the makeup of this ownership structure is going to be. There's a lot of question marks over the ownerships, uh, ownership split. Um, there seems to be documents floating around that contradict other documents that are floating around and there's information from sources that contradicts other sources. But um, what it does appear is going to be the case is that this new structure led by a Barclay Nettlefold. We know that he's sort of going to be the, the head honcho, likely to be the chairman of the board, however that board is actually kind of made up. Um, it appears they are, go- they are going to have control of the category by the Bathurst 1000, potentially even a little early, but by the Bathurst 1000 this year, which kind of fits because this is the Super Bathurst and it is kind of paving the way for the combination of the ARG properties and the supercars properties and all um, coming together for the greater good. And, and and it's kind of a, I don't know, it's almost like a fitting showcase for, for, for what the future holds for the top end of Australian uh, motor racing. So, yeah, there's been a lot made about how the sale will be completed by the end of this year and moving into 2022 and um, – what changes we made across 2022 and then into the, the brand new era, which is 2023 with Gen 3. But uh, at the moment, it, it appears that the control will actually come to the to the new look ownership to race a little early. That will come um, for the Bathurst 1000. What is interesting, and again, you just touched on it, Stefan, is um, – is what's going to happen with the Supercast Commission, which has effectively been, you know, the the committee that that debates what goes on. Or is that fair? Is that a fair way to describe it? Do you think, Stefan? Yeah, they sort of look after the wheel nuts and the nuts and bolts and, and debate all that while the board makes the more top line decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's always been made up by a handful of team representatives and then people from the ownership group and senior management and that sort of stuff. So there is some talk that that will get a complete overhaul um, and that there could even be representation from all teams or who I'm not 100% sure how it's going to look, but um, that would be given the fact that, you know, that the power that the commission holds in terms of reaching decisions and not some or reaching recommendations that then go to become board decisions or whatever, I mean, that would be a pretty significant shakeup, right? Yeah, and how it actually plugs into the board, whether there's a commission or not, or exactly what it looks like. You've always had under the previous ownership a commission member who was also on the board as a team representative on both, which has been Brad Jones. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much positivity about the, the change and the new ownership, but it's, it's going to be a very different beast. And, you know, obviously the, the media and the marketing and, and the digital sort of horsepower that these, these new characters are going to bring is great. But for the teams, the proof of this is sort of going to be in the eating in terms of it's, it's going to be different for them not to have a slice of the pie and to have, have control of things. Um, they've kind of always, uh, yeah, the, the, there's going to be times where they're going to be told to eat their vegetables. And previously, they could all get together and vote <laughs> against vegetables and say, let's have cake for dinner. Um, so that's kind of going to be the test for it, um, which we might not see for a little while. Yeah, that's right. If you were running, I'll put you on the spot now. If you were running a team, what do you want to see? How would you like to see it structured? And do would you be happy to eat your vegetables if it is going to make you bigger and stronger and faster eventually, even if you don't like it? Well, yeah, that's got to be the the pitch, right? That this is good for you in the long run. And I think there will be examples where it definitely will be better to have a sort of more autocratic leadership 
um, and not be necessarily voting on everything all the time. But, yeah, we don't really know exactly how it looks. It, it is important for the team still to have a say and to present their views, so whatever mechanism that's through. Um, and I'm sure they will. Like, they're not going to just ignore all the expertise that's out there in, in team land. It's, it's important for them, for the teams to be be healthy and financially viable and a big part of the model that they've set out in terms of that fixed income per car, which we think is about 650K for the next five years and the, the Gen 3 grant of about uh, 450K, um, all of that's yeah. clearly not been done by accident. It's a clear plan to make sure that these teams are viable. Mm. All right. Well, there's some co-driver news kicking about this week. I think we've almost got our Bathurst 1000 grid, haven't we? Almost got our – I think we sort of know what it's going to be, but it's actually almost everything locked in. Uh, this week it was announced that Jaden Ojeda will partner Zane Goddard at Matt Stone Racing. Um, reasonably expected signing. He's been doing a bit of testing with the team recently. He's a Super 2 front runner, so you would think he's a fairly good pickup for a team like that. Would you agree with that, Stefan? Good pickup for MSR? Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, we've both got the same view of this. Obviously, Jaden is one of the real young, shining talents coming through. So it's great to see him pick up a seat. He's come through Super 3, now in second year of Super 2. And he's shown clearly he's got good ability and he's got that bit of flair. He's got the whole juice nickname and he's got a bit of showbiz about him, yeah. which um, hopefully he'll make his way into the main game and really add add that sort of X factor that the sport needs, to be honest. Um, so yeah. love all that stuff. Um, we saw last year he, he was in the wild card with GRM at the Bathurst 1000. And so he was on double duties there with Super 2 and, and in the GRM car. And unfortunately, he actually had three crashes across the weekend uh, at Bathurst, including in the big race itself. So it was good for him that the Super 2 Series was actually started 2021 at Bathurst and he got a pole up there to uh, get a few more laps in and all of that. It, w- it was funny, um, in the release, I'm not sure whether you uh, you looked at this too closely from Matt Stone Racing, but there was a great quote in there from Matt Stone talking about the fact that they generally prefer to support younger drivers. But in this case, the most important factor is to have a safe pair of hands who understands the role of a co-driver. That was a direct quote, that last bit. And uh, it was like he was sort of giving the job description to Jaden via the press release. I thought that was a beautifully uh, crafted (laughs) little bit of wordage. Yeah. No, look, I uh, I agree. I think it's good. You know, we need to see our Super 2 front runners getting opportunities like this. That sort of shows that the system works. And the system has been built so much towards making sure guys come through Super 2. So it's important that they then get their opportunity when they do and they do become loyal customers of the Super 2 of Super Two to, to then have the opportunities to uh, to move up. So I think it's a good signing. So I think, you know, we, we all know that it's going to be Kurt Kostecki with Jake Kostecki. I think that's the last seat that's not actually formally locked in. Um, I don't think that can be announced until after this weekend because – Kurt, it will be on wildcard duties with Walkinshaw and Ready United. So um, there's sort of, you know, a rough sort of conflict there. I think they're just waiting to clear that and then we should have Kurt uh, locked in alongside his brother Jake and then we'll have our Bathurst 1000 grid, notwithstanding any more twists in the David Reynolds tale that may <laughs> that may lead to more changes at uh, Kelly Grove Racing. But um then we've got our grid. Uh, let's have a bit of a chat about uh, Sydney this weekend. Well, before we talk about this weekend, uh, what caught your eye uh, from Sydney last weekend, Stefan? 
Yeah, I guess there was um, there was a few storylines in it. The, the headline one was clearly that that Anton has, has clicked there with that uh, DJR Mustang and and really worked mm-hmm. it out. You could sort of say, oh, maybe it's a bit track specific. You know, the those Shell Mustangs have been pretty good there in the past, but it doesn't actually matter if it's track specific or not because we're going to be back there for the next three weekends anyway. So, yeah, uh, you'd love it to be track specific. That's yeah, a perfect outcome. Exactly. Um, the Red Bull cars clearly weren't quick enough. Um, they were arguably, uh, yeah, outdone by both the Shell cars and the Erebus cars, and those guys were super impressive. Um, uh, Will Brown and Brody Kostecki, but Shane's just—he's just so crafty, so canny, isn't he? Like, mm. um, if oh, he's no. dropping back a little bit in the races, you never think, "Oh, he's struggling for pace." You think, "Oh, he's—he's he's making yeah. sure the tire temps are where they need to be." And and we sort of saw in a couple to? of stints yeah. that he was able to. Um, you know, the only way anyone could pass is if you had a bit of uh, tire differentiation on age, but he was able to just wait in the stint. And by the time you sort of got two thirds of the way through, he had a tire advantage just because he'd looked after them better. So um, you, you can never rule him out in any of the races. Unfortunately, you could rule out Tickford in those races. It was um, oh, yeah. a case of untrustworthy Tickford yet again. They sort of, uh, mm-hmm. they promised so much and Townsville before the break, they had us all excited about the fact that they look like absolute contenders and they uh, re-signed Cam and everyone's talking about championship for next year, but then they just uh, fell over first time back out the gate. So that'll be one of the interesting things to keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks is whether they can uh, dig themselves out of that hole. Where's this Where's this pace for Anton come from, do you think? Is it a case of just getting his head around? Like, we know those cars are so quick if you set them up in a certain way and if you drive them in a certain way. And Scott McLaughlin was so good at driving the car set up in the way that it needs to be, and Ludo was so good at finding that sweet spot and sort of saying, here you go, Scott, if you drive it like this, this will work. Is it a case of Anton just figuring that out? He talked about the fact he was tipping the car into one and just trusting it was going to do what he needed is that a little bit of the you know she's might be a bit loose at the back but this is how it's going to go fast yeah it had all the hallmarks of that as we sort of said like it wasn't a huge surprise that he was he was quick but no one would have been expecting him to be that quick to be putting on pole by half a second so you can't do that mm. unless the the car and the driver are both doing a really good job and uh, clearly the feeling he had in the car was uh, gave him huge confidence and it's something that's probably mm. You, you probably wouldn't say that Anton appears to have lacked any confidence over the journey, um, but he's got to work hard to make sure that, you know, they are giving him the car that uh, actually gets the, the lap time as well. You can't just decide to drive around problems in these cars. You need to drive them the way that uh, that's set up and the way that Ludo's set up requires it to be driven. Mm, yeah, absolutely. There was a bit of um, bit of mystery going on with some tire issues. Actually, Anton had a tire issue uh, in that uh, third and final race, which he, he managed to recover from and and win anyway. But it, it was sort of, there were there were cuts, these sort of crescent shaped cuts in a few of the tires. I think there was five or six of them that were that was basically causing the tread to rip away um, from the tire. I know that Supercars and uh, Kevy Fitzsimmons from Dunlop have been sort of looking into it. They've walked the track. I think I spoke to Kev earlier. Uh, today or yesterday, whenever I was there, they've done four laps walking of the track and they can't actually find what's going on. So that's maybe something to watch. It looks like the back of a curb or something. It's only rear tyres, so that's where the car's got some attitude on it that something's clipping the tyre. But there is also a lot of talk about some wet weather this weekend, so it may uh, that may become less of an issue 
as well. Um, let's park the wet weather thing for a second because um, that will sort of render our next chat um, not really all that relevant. But as as the tyre rules stand for this round, um, the drivers have to use both the soft and the hard compound in each race. Stefan, what would you be banking on? Would you be uh, sticking the soft on for the first stint and going for the sprint and Hoping for no safety cars. Well, I don't think we didn't see any safety cars last weekend, did we? So no. I don't know if I don't know if that increases the odds or drops the odds or what what it does to the odds of there being safety. We'll have to, that's one for the sleuth himself. I think we could work out uh, what what that means. But so would you be would you be going for a sprint on the soft first stint, or do you take your hard medicine and uh, come home strong? Well, yeah, naturally you need to look at that safety car risk as the primary thing, but I think it also depends so much where you qualify. Um, and they've tried to take the gamesmanship out of looking at what other people are doing and, and quickly changing accordingly because you have to nominate 30 minutes before the start by email what you're actually going to do so you can't make a, a last-minute change. But clearly, either way, you need to maximise the grip of the tyre when you've got it. So if, if you're buried, yeah, you might not want to run the soft um, and then have to you know work your way through, blah, blah, blah. But... Yeah, you can look at it either way because if you start in pole, you're not going to want to uh, squander that. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Rain will clearly change all that again. And the most fascinating is if it, it looks like it could rain, you'd probably want to start on the soft to, to make the most of that before you have to change to a wet. Yeah, yeah, very true. I guess the other thing you could do if you were even back in the pack a little bit would be I mean, the one thing that Shane showed us on the weekend, you know, proved that it's an old tale in motor racing, but the easiest way to make spots is at the start. You could really do some damage at the start, you know, and he did that a couple of times from sort of that sixth position on the grid, made up a lot of ground the first couple of laps. So do you do that? Go for a relatively short first in, try and make a bit of ground on a few guys uh, and then go for a, a, you know, sort of basically try and undercut even though you're going to the hard. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how it all plays out, and yeah, a bit of rain under lights. Jeez, I, I kind of like the sound of that. That could be a uh, that could be a bit of fun. What did you think of the look of the the night race that we saw um, last weekend when we were there um, for the night in 2018? Um, there was just so much so much drama in the fact that the lighting was a bit patchy. It looked so yeah. good on TV on the weekend, but it actually uh, kind of took away a bit of that yeah dark to light light to dark and last time we had all different strength headlights and it was all a bit of a it was all a bit on the piss to be frank but um yeah, yeah. it was certainly a lot slicker overall product last weekend yeah definitely definitely but yeah i, I agree that the patchiness of it last time was kind of fun but it still looked good it still looked great on tv like there's no doubt um that night racing just looks sensational and i have to say as much as i really wish i could go to the track um, when you are covering night races, being three hours behind is uh, pretty handy. You, you can be you can be done by dinner time because we've had some uh, some on some we've had some very late dinners on on race weekends when we've covered night racing before. Stefan, I'm sure they've taken uh, your input into account there. Clearly, uh, clearly, there's some sort of uh, mechanism via commission or something that you're getting your uh, preferred timetable through. Exactly, exactly. That's that's how powerful I am. No, no, I'm I'm no Aaron Noonan. I just uh, I just do do what I can, do what I can. All right, so let's move away from supercars for a second. Uh, Aaron Seaton is going to sit out the rest of the Trans Am season. Isn't he leading the championship at the moment, Stefan? 
Yeah, he is. So it is um, from the spectators' perspective. Like he's had some great battles with uh, with Nathan Hearn and Owen Kelly and those guys mm. this year. And so it's it is a shame to to not see him do that. But you can totally understand why he's going to focus on his Super Two. Where's his sort of career heading? What do you what, what's your sort of feeling? Like, um, doesn't have a Bathurst drive. There was a bit of he was sort of linked to MSR co-driver role for a while a while back. Uh, it doesn't seem like that's going to play out. Um, where do you sort of where do you see Aaron's career going at the moment? Well, I mean, he's he's got some good experience in these Trans Am cars, and he's really shown that he can he can drive. Like uh, some of that mm. stuff's been super impressive, but he's just. He's just green in a supercar at the moment. Um, he's only done what is it like three super two rounds the way this this COVID's worked out. So I think yeah. he would have been a little bit um, underdone if he'd come into the one thousand as a co-driver this year. So he needs to focus on that over these next couple of weekends when he the one at SMP for Super Two and then the Bathurst Super Two, um, and hopefully he can stitch together a deal. Because um, obviously it comes back to funding these things, but he needs to be in a good Super Two car next year and really uh, put some results on the board. Because he's he's shown some pace in in that mm. Matt Stone DBS car this year. Um, so yeah, he just needs to knuckle down and get some results together. Let's take a look around the world and see what's going. on. Let's start with NASCAR because there was just some. Awesome drama, and you know I like some drama, Stefan. There was some great drama uh, in Martinsville last weekend. Uh, Alex Bowman, he spun Denny Hamlin to win. Um, classic classic NASCAR. Um, Denny Hamlin was furious. Uh, here's what he had to say. He's just a hack. He's just an absolute hack. Um, he gets his ass kicked by the teammates every week. and just, you know, he's terrible. He's just terrible, and he's... Sees one opportunity and he, he takes it, but obviously, um, you know, he's got the fast car every week and he runs 10th. So, um, he, he you know, didn't want to race us there. We, we had a good clean race. I moved up as high as I could on the racetrack to give him all the room I could, and he still can't drive. Um, this is what NASCAR does best, right, Stefan? Just blokes calling each other hacks on TV, parkings, like it's awesome. Yeah, and you could imagine, like, um, if if anything like that happened in supercars, to start with, you'd have people fainting in race control, not knowing what to do about it. <laughs> but um, also the drivers would would get back to pit lane and, and say, oh, there's no robbery. What, what are you beating this up for? Uh, where these bikes, oh, they, exactly. uh, they have at it during the race, directly after the race in the cars and after the race in the interviews as well. The most extraordinary part's probably been that from what I've seen, there's been no sanctions or even hint of any sanctions from NASCAR at all. They've sort of always known that this stuff's good for business but had to mm-hmm. sort of play a bit of a line there with not having it look too uh, out of control. But seems like they've just put the cue in the rack on that and just gone, yeah, you beauty, this is, uh, this is good for business. It is. It is good for business. It's awesome. It's uh, you just you just like to see it, and you're 100 percent right. And it goes back to even you know the Scotty McLaughlin, Dave Reynolds thing in 2019. That was always framed as this massive media beat up. And it wasn't. They did not like each other, those blokes. They didn't like each other at all. And, in fact, behind the scenes there was, yeah, it was going on. That was a proper rivalry. But, yeah, and then the next thing, and even the drivers themselves would get, as soon as they're sort of thrust in front of a camera, start talking about the fact, oh, no, look, it's not really that big a deal or this or that. And it's like, come on, guys, it is. Let's make it a big deal. This is what 
This is what it's all about. Rivalries. That's what drives people to watch sport. That's what makes it fun to fun to watch. So yeah, that's it's definitely what NASCAR do very, very well. And um yeah, you just gotta you just gotta enjoy that sort of stuff. And it's set up their final round this weekend perfectly, hasn't it? Um, like you've got Danny Hamlin who was obviously in that uh, in that blue and he's in the mix in this final four where it's two Hendrick cars and two Joe Gibbs cars fighting for the championship. So, um, yeah, Denny's uh, played a brave game by creating that rivalry just before uh, <laughs> just before the last round. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it will be very interesting, and we can talk about it all next week, see how that plays out. Uh, TRS now, Toyota Racing Series, um, our mates at Castrol are actually going to fund a New Zealand Grand Prix drive for one lucky Kiwi driver under 25 years old. I think applications are open now. So if you're, uh, if you're over, if you're across the ditch there, you're under 25 and you reckon you're a pretty good guy at, or guy or girl at driving racing cars, you can apply for that. Um, I think this isn't like a, like a competition winners thing. I think you have to actually be a race car driver. To, uh, to enter. That's so. a shame. I got asked for ID at the Bodlo the other day. I was hoping that I might be able to squeeze into the under 25. Well, you can you could send them some of your replays from uh, Project Cars too, Stefan. You're pretty handy on the uh, up on the old uh, steering wheel in on PC too. But yeah, I don't. You're not a Kiwi, but eh? unless you've been you, unless you've been hiding something from us, anything can be done. <laughs> there you go. Um, look, it, it is an awesome opportunity for a young driver over there, and another example of of TRS kind of just doing what it needs to do to stay afloat during the pandemic. Like, can you think of another series that's really been hit as hard as as that one, Stefan, by the border closures and stuff? Like the whole concept of TRS is that drivers come from overseas and race it, and we've seen some amazing fields and some amazing races. But two years in a row now, they just they they, they can't follow their business model yeah it's a shame and um good on toyota new zealand and castrol and everyone who's continuing to support it and um, they did such a good job last year of having sort of the uh, the guest drivers involved and they ended up with a situation where shane van gisbergen won one of the greatest new zealand grand prix of all time and it was such a good story that they uh, sort of rescued out of the out of the fire that was um yeah, the, the border closures and all of that for them. But um, unfortunately, they found themselves in a position where they've got to do this again. And um, yeah, at least this uh, this competition is uh, is something, a story for them to sell. Yeah, and I totally agree that they did a great job this year. It's always tempting. It's, it's, this is... TRS is like the Bathurst 12 year. You always talk about last year when it was actually this year, but they did a, such a great job this year to get that race across the line. The funny thing is, like since then, Scott McLaughlin's come out and said, Hey, I want to win the New Zealand Grand Prix. When am I going to get the chance to go and do that? And said that he sort of looked at it last year. And there's no doubt, speaking of little rivalries that sometimes get played down, there's no doubt that he would have watched Shane win that thing and think, Hmm, Shane's name's on that list now. I've got to get my name on there at some point. So you really wouldn't put him past it at some point coming and doing it. I'm not sure what Roger Penske Yeah, he, uh, he might be smart to try to do it in a year when Shane's not doing it, though, <laughs> because uh, seeing that he set the fire extinguisher off and started from pit lane and still won it, I reckon uh, I'd be a bit nervous about uh, challenging that. You don't think Scott's, you know, recent open-wheeler experience might help him a little bit? Maybe. He might be uh, expecting a few more horsepower than those things have got, though. <laughs> That's true. All right, look, let's just uh, grab your quick tip for this week. Formula One in Mexico this weekend. The title fight continues. Max versus Lewis or Lewis versus Max or however you want to frame it. Put your favorite first. Uh, Who you got, Lewis or Max this weekend? Well, I think like the 
the highlight of the last race there in Austin in Texas was how big the event looked and how much of a party it was and how many spectators were there and, and blah, blah, blah. I think um, if uh, if Lewis and Max shunt into each other and, and Checo Perez wins at home, it'll make oh. Austin look like a Teddy Bears picnic. <laughs> They'll be going right off. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yep. Yeah, I agree. That would be a pretty good outcome. That would be a pretty good outcome. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The, the Mercedes kind of – they've always struggled in Mexico a little bit because the um, the sort of thin air or, you know, the the, the, the height above sea level there kind of uh, neutralises the motors a little bit. And obviously uh, Mercedes' big advantage through the hybrid era has been the power plant. So um, often they struggle a little bit there, but I think from what we've seen in the last few rounds, you know, we expected Mercedes to be really quick in, in Austin and they – were beaten on pure pace by the Red Bull, so by the Red Bull. So I think kind of um, what we're seeing in what in, in what we want in a good old fashioned title fight is that you can kind of just chuck the um, kind of just chuck the chuck the playbook out a little bit, and we'll uh, we'll wait and see what happens. So that will be a very interesting, not a great time zone for us down here in Australia. These these uh, North American races, but um, but anyway, let's uh, let's finish off with our Castro Star of the Week. I'm going to go with Erebus Motorsport just to go back to something that you were talking about before, Stefan. I'll put my hand up. I thought they were going to struggle this year. I really thought with the turnover, losing both drivers and both engineers, bringing two rookies into the field as experienced and as quick as those rookies are, I thought this was going to be a really really tough year for that team, and uh, not for the first time. They looked sharp as attack in Sydney, and they've done it before. You know, Brody's been on the podium uh, early in the year. Sandown, they look really good. Like you know, it's they just they kind of they've got their fun back. They love being the underdogs. It just suits them better playing that role, and they play it beautifully. And um, yeah, so uh, Barry, sorry, pal, good job. You, you, you've, you've you've done it again. You've sure shown me because again, I, I would have thought they were going to struggle this year, and they. They're just a really fun team to watch and fun drivers and uh, and good on them. Stefan, who have you got for your star of the week? Well, I think I've got a bit left field. And, uh, you know, I love a bit of AFL motorsport crossover in the rare mm-hmm. times that there is yep. any. So I'll, I'll yep. go with Sandy Brock. He's the 18-year-old nephew of Peter and son of Phil Brock, and he was picked up by the Gold Coast Suns in the last week. Uh, he's, he's built like split pin. So they're probably going to need to get a few pre-seasons of uh, six stakes a day or whatever they do to those kids to uh, beef him up a bit before um, he eventually gets a game in, in the top league. But, um, yeah, that's that's a cool little thing for motorsport freaks uh, who also keep an eye on the AFL to uh, watch in, in the coming years. Hey, you're based on the Gold Coast. You'll be able to go and uh, watch, him, watch him in action. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he spent the last year, he grew up in the Northern Territory, but he spent the last year over in uh, WA. So um, hopefully you've uh, taught him the art of the torp and I uh, won't mm. need to put much work into him. That's, uh, that's, that's what I do best, obviously. <laughs> uh, we need to get – it was Mumford who used to eat like 40 snags or something straight off the barbie, wasn't it, to get uh, to get a bit of size into him. Oh, so yeah. we need to uh, – he needs to follow that diet, I think. Look, let's uh, let's leave it there. Another big weekend of uh, supercars action coming up in Sydney this weekend and the F1 Grand Prix. I'm sure we're going to have plenty to talk about uh, next week. The big news just seems to keep on coming at the moment. Stefan, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a whole bunch of fun and I look forward to doing this many, many times again. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening. And, yeah, we'll be back next week. Hey. 
Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.